Welcome to Homefront on Missouri Grassroots Radio. I'm Cynthia Davis, your host. As a writer, speaker, and former legislator, we discuss limiting government, fiscal responsibility, and fair taxation. I'm a mother of seven and a wife of one for over three decades, so I bring you my personal experience. And now it's time for Homefront with Cynthia Davis. Good evening to all of you. It's another edition of Homefront. I am so glad you could join us tonight because we have an exceptional guest. Tonight we're going to talk about education, which is most people's favorite topic. After spending eight years in the Missouri State Legislature, I will testify to the fact that that was the one topic that seemed to take priority over everything else. It didn't matter what political party it was. It didn't matter what the budget was. It didn't matter what common sense was. We were going to fund education no matter what. And so, and, and that's because that's what gets us votes. So I'm very grateful to have a chance to enlighten you tonight with the premier expert on education. This is Ray Moore, who comes to us from the Exodus Mandate, and Ray is an amazing man. He has been studying the topic as a pastor over 35 years. He is the founder and president of an organization that is committed to helping people understand what is going on with our educational system. What I love most about Ray is that he makes sense. <laughs> and in this world where you have people who are focused on whether it's more money or less money, and that's about all it is, we have somebody who can give us the philosophy behind it. And so, uh, Ray, thank you for joining us tonight. Thank you, Cynthia, and it's great to, to, to talk to you again. I have, cause I haven't seen you since my last trip to St. Louis, but uh, I hope you're doing well. And that was a good trip to St. Louis. I'll tell you, there's always room for people who can explain things and take some very complicated issues and boil them down in a very simple level where we can all get a grip on it. I think a lot of us grassroots people are somewhat intimidated by the topic of education because we've been trained that it's politically correct to support whatever education proposal comes up. And we want to, it's like the emperor's new clothes. We all want to seem like we're all in favor of being smart. Who's going to be against that? So you were a veteran of the Gulf War One and a lieutenant colonel. Tell me, how did you get your bronze star medal? Well, we uh, I served as a chaplain. Um, I'm a retired Army Reserve chaplain for a, a unit out of, of Fort Campbell, Kentucky, called the 101st Corps Support Group, and we were, you know, in a combat area. And you know, I, you know, I guess I did well enough that my commander, you know, put me in for it. Um, we were kind of a, a trailing unit when, when the units began to withdraw uh, after the conclusion of Gulf War One. I. I was my unit, and some of our soldiers stayed behind, and we covered a, a large region where I was a a chaplain not only to my soldiers but to some adjoining units whose chaplains had been you know pulled back to Saudi Arabia for with the withdrawal so I, I think uh, that was the kind of unique thing I did you didn't take a bullet anywhere did you nope nope <laughs> <laughs> 
my son was going to be going into the Air Force, and he was explaining to me all the wonderful things that could happen to him. And he said, Mom, if I do really well, I can get a Medal of Honor. And I thought, well, that sounds very nice. What do you have to do to get a Medal of Honor? And he said, well, you have to either die or almost die. (laughs) (laughs) I think I would have settled for a Bronze Star instead. (laughs) So anyway, what impressed me about you when I heard you speak at a convention in Nashville, Tennessee, you told an amazing story about how you were effective at, well, I'll get into the story later. First, I want to talk about how the Exodus mandate. Can you explain what that is? It's a Christian ministry to help and assist uh, families to leave behind the government schools uh, for what we call the promised land of K-12 Christian schooling or homeschooling. And additionally, we hope and pray that a fresh obedience by Christian families in educating their children according to biblical commands uh, could be a key for the renewal of our families, our churches, and our culture. So we're going away from something that we think is harmful to families and uh, our, our people and going towards something which we think will bless them and benefit them, which is uh, some form of K-12 Christian education. We concentrate on K-12 Christian education, not higher education, even though I have a lot of the same feelings about higher ed that I do for uh, you know, primary and elementary education. David Barton puts on a conference every year for the legislators from the states. And last year when I attended it, he showed this graphic illustration to answer the question of why did this country go for Obama not once but twice when he seems very anti-family in his policies. And the answer was that for decades now, our schools have been churning out people who are perfect socialists. (laughs) We've taught them that really the schools teach them that there is no God that we evolved from pond scum, and if we're going to better ourselves, it's going to be through socialistic efforts. And there's nothing, and in the sake of positive debate and letting people know all the facts, that is not happening. So when children are indoctrinated, and even back when my husband and I were in public school for high school, There was no, I mean, we learned evolution. That was just part of the curriculum. And curiously, I didn't learn about about evolution in my science class. I learned about it in a social studies class. Mm -hmm. And so it's actually taught in every subject, and it is teaching people that we are like animals and therefore we should behave like animals. And then you compound that with, the sex education element that teaches that we're victims of our instincts and obviously there's no reason for us to be much better than animals because we're just another one just like them. Uh, No wonder we're reaping a serious problem with our schools today, turning out kids who are not behaving in a manner that's going to sustain our society. So, what got you interested in the topic of indo- indoctrination, and what began the uh, seed? What planted the seed well, for the movie? We started uh, homeschooling our children in 1977 
when I was finishing up theological seminary, great seminary in Indiana, and our oldest son was entering the first grade, and we did look at a couple of Christian schools, but they were we were we had some you know financial situations would have made that hard, and then we really weren't happy when we looked at how academically rigorous they were. We didn't feel that they were strong enough, and so we just prayed and felt led to start what we call the family school. And uh, so we, we, we homeschool all four of our children, usually up through middle school, and then we tended to put them in a private Christian school after that. So we had a, you know, about a 15 or 17 year record with homeschooling, and then if you take all the kids together, you know, we're 25 or 30 years in uh, Christian education in some fashion. And then my wife uh, ended up her career teaching at a private Christian school uh, in Columbia, South Carolina, where she was the head of the English department. So we've just seen the blessing and the benefit it was in our own family. So in 1997, I felt led to start the Exodus Mandate Project, <clears throat> and I guess I had been had been sort of on my soul and mind to to attempt something like this for years before. But uh, the real precipitating moment for me was in 1997. Uh, uh, a lot of the conservative right and uh, Christian right evangelical groups came together in Washington, D.C. for a large meeting where there was a briefing on the Goals 2000 School to Work and Outcome-Based Education Agenda. And uh, it was a pretty large meeting. About 800 people showed up uh, from all over the country. And it was held in the um, uh, House Judiciary uh conference room in Washington, and about half the people that came were staffers with the uh, various Senate and House offices on Capitol Hill, and there was a lot of wailing and gnashing of teeth and complaining about uh, Goals 2000 and uh, what that would mean to our children in public schools, and I remember sitting there all day listening to these, and these were some of our best people. Uh, if I named the groups, you would you know them, I mean, it was all the top conservative Christian groups in Washington and around the nation, including Heritage Foundation and Feed Up uh, Concerned Women for America and all those type of groups, uh, Family uh, Research Council, Focus on the Family. And and uh, I just remember sitting there all day listening to these lectures, and it just I was just astounded because the only uh, thing that they were saying was, uh, oh, isn't it awful, it's terrible what they're doing to our children, and we got to stop it, and, and, and we've got to repeal these bad laws. And I remember sitting there listening and saying, wow. I remember just being stunned by the moment like a revelation, epiphany I had. I said, these are our best people. These are our leaders, the Christian, conservative, and pro-family leaders in America, and nobody's got a plan. Nobody's got a plan. <laughs> and I knew the left had a plan. And uh, so I, I went out of there that day with just a, a burden on my heart that somehow, with God's help, I was going to extract several million of uh, Christian children from these godless uh, pagan public schools. And I felt a little little sheepish about it when I when it came on my heart and mind to do it. So I took the next six months uh, going around getting counsel from uh, respected. Lead, policy leaders, Christian leaders, and some pastors, and and um, to, before I launched it publicly, and I did go public in November of 1997, 
I had a little press conference in Washington on the weekend of Promise Keepers, and I did a TV interview with Paul Weirich's network and uh, got a little bit of coverage, and uh, but that was the beginning of it, and then we've we've been going since then. We got pretty much nothing but hostility and rejection uh, from the uh, from our side. I'm talking about the Christians and conservatives. But around 2001, I started noticing a change where people started kind of warming up to what I was saying and listening. And now in the last uh, few years, we seem to be getting a lot of traction and more and more people are recognizing uh, that we need to get the kids out of the public schools. Did you say you met with... Did you say you met with some hostility from some of the people who should have been with us? Yeah, yeah, I met with, uh, you know, some hostility. It was, um, you know, mild, but uh, people thought it was uh, ridiculous. And, you know, we, we have to, you know, most of the Christians at that time were in there trying to save public education, trying to fix it. And I think that's uh, absolutely worse than time wasted because it gives the people a false hope that something can be done to fix that system. And it, it's not fixable. It cannot be reformed. And that's one of the most important uh, uh, things that people have to come to terms with. And, uh, and when they get, when they come to believe that public education is uh, doomed and harmful and it cannot be reformed or fixed, they get a new freedom and a new liberation in their soul and mind on how to behave and what to advocate. But until you come to that point, it's still some of our best leaders in America still. I mean, I have to fight the left and the right on this. I mean, the left, uh, I think they're just laughing at these reformers, or these public school reformers, because why are we trying to fix these schools? <laughs> They've got our children, and they continue the indoctrination. I'm inspired by that. I've been fighting both the left and the right for years myself. Mm-hmm. And... I thought, what is wrong with me that I have to fight them on both sides? What I mean, there's a part of all of us that just wants to be friends, yeah. and we can't be friends with people who don't want to work it out in in a way that's going to be cooperative. Well, I, and yeah. so, go ahead. Okay. I was going to tell you my story where I began with the premise. I with my firstborn, I'm like, well, <laughs> I don't want to ruin the first baby. So, <laughs> yet they call the firstborn the practice child, don't they? Mm-hmm. And so we actually started off with very ideal, very idealistic. And I thought we would homeschool him. But then there was a very nice school teacher who attended my church. And I talked to her about, we're thinking of homeschooling John, and she's a kindergarten teacher. And she said, well, you should give us a try. And so I requested her. I got her. She was the best teacher ever, and we had a very successful year. Then he went to first grade, second grade. Third grade wasn't as good. He had a teacher who hated boys. By the time he got to fourth grade, it had deteriorated so badly that he was getting beaten up in the boys' bathroom on a daily basis, and I got tired of that. And My son is not a punching bag. So we worked up the chain of command. We told the teacher there's a problem. She blew us off. We told we had an appointment with the principal. We walked in the principal's office, sat down, told him, my son is getting beaten up in the boys' bathroom every day. What are you going to do about it? And he said, ma'am, there's no teacher in there to witness the event. So we don't know whose fault it is. Unless we see blood or broken bones, we are not going to address it. 
Well, at that point, I realized we had a very serious problem, not because there was any violence in, in blood or broken bones. That wasn't happening. Teeth weren't getting kicked out. It wasn't permanent or debilitating. But what was happening on an emotional level was permanent and debilitating because I had taught my son all his life, you don't hit, you don't kick, you don't lie, you don't cheat, you don't steal, and you be nice. And if you do that, it will go well with you. Well, what he learned from public school in that particular circumstance was unraveling everything good I had ever taught him. He was learning the wrong lessons about life. He was learning that the the guilty get away scot-free if nobody sees it. He was learning don't bother appealing to the God-given authorities because they won't be there for you. He was learning lessons that were going to ruin his ability to be a successful individual because he was learning bad things, things that I didn't want my son to learn. And at that point, we decided we're pulling him out. And it was amazing, the transformation in my son once I got brave enough to do that. And I say brave because a lot of parents just need a little encouragement. And for me, that's what it took. Now, in hindsight, I shouldn't have waited so long because – That didn't help him or help me, especially when we had trouble. But it was a good science experiment. So (laughs) anyway, I I do ask you about this because we're living in a day and age where more, more parents are working than ever before, and they love the golden school bus coming by and picking up their children and taking them off for eight hours in the day. And I think we've become... Uh, called that a, a form of luxury that afforded people in every every economic bracket. Everyone can have the school bus come by, the yellow school bus, and take their kids, and then moms get to have some peace and serenity or work if that's what they choose to spend their time on. Mm-hmm. My question to you is, how do we shape the culture and help parents understand that that is not getting them the satisfaction because after the child has devastating consequences, it's too late to to make up for it. Fortunately, I got my son out while I could help shape his character, but there are plenty of other parents who don't do that. What do you say to them? Well, um, that's kind of a difficult question. I think the main issue that we see is lacking is that particularly for the Christian community, they do not have a theology of education. Somehow education is in another category. So you'll find dedicated evangelical Christians or conservative Christians who tithe, they worship regularly, they go to church, they read their Bible regularly, they witness, and they put their kids in public school. (laughs) It just doesn't compute. And uh, it's because they don't see that as falling under uh, scriptural guidelines. And so we teach and believe that the scriptures, and this is easy to show, this is, you know, it's easy to prove this in the doctrine of the Trinity, which all Christians believe, that the scriptures, or Jesus assigns the education of children to the family with assistance from the church and not the government. The government, the state of Missouri, the state of Illinois, or wherever your listeners are, has no God-ordained authority to be educating children at the K-12 through level. That falls under the jurisdiction 
of the family and the church, basically. The state or government has very limited authority. They, they have some uh, taxation authority. Uh, they have basically law enforcement, justice, uh, but they don't have child raising. Uh, they don't have daycare. Uh, they don't own uh, education. They don't. Own, uh, let's imagine. Maybe this is a kind of extreme analogy, but let's just say the state of Missouri passed a law uh, tomorrow. Of course, this would never happen, but it helps men make a point that from starting Sunday, the garbage men and the trash men in, in Missouri will be coming to your churches to offer up the sacraments of the Lord's Supper or the ordinances of the Lord's Supper, whatever you prefer, term you prefer to use, what would the Christian churches and pastors say? Would they say, oh, I guess that'll be all right as long as they take a bath and, and put on clean clothes? No, the Christian community would be up in arms. They would say, you have no jurisdiction. You have no authority. God assigned that to the church and the state or the government has no role. And okay, I say, who's going who's gonna to serve I I say to them, you keep your dirty hands off of our children. You have no authority to be involved in raising and discipling our children. That belongs to the family and to the church. Mm-hmm. So, so that's I use that analogy. You know, they have no authority to offer the sacraments. Uh, you know, they don't they don't preach and teach. That belongs to the church and to the family. Hmm. Okay, so so it's a imagine... jurisdictional question. Mm-hmm. You're and, imagining... and, most, and most Christians don't see that. They think the state has authority to educate, because, and they've been doing it for the last 160 years, uh, improperly and unbiblically. Uh, if we, we haven't talked about our movie yet, which I think was why I was going to be on the air tonight. We, we created a movie. I'm the executive producer of a movie that's been about a year and a half called Indoctrination, and the subtitle is it's a called Public Schools and the Decline of Christianity in America. We're able to show pretty conclusively the reason we're losing our culture and the reason we get beaten in all these uh, battles that we're in now, same-sex marriage and the courts and uh, Boy Scouts and all these things that we're losing is because we've had six generations of heavy indoctrination of succeeding generations in public education. So the children don't even agree with their parents or grandparents, uh, and uh, they're, they're, they're totally... Uh, have a different worldview and everything from their parents. They live in the same house and everything, but uh, the parents have put their children in these schools, and then they grow up and they, they vote differently than their parents did. So we're losing the culture because of the, of the public education system. So this movie's been around about a year and a half. It's done extremely well. Homeschoolers are really using it in particular to try to extract uh, their fellow Christians, their fellow church members, um, and other families and neighbors from the public school system. Uh, homeschoolers have generally uh, kept to themselves. They just, you know, worry about their own children because it's a pretty busy job taking care of my own children. But in the last three or four years, they have been an awakening to realize that it's, about, it's not just about me and my children. It's about our culture. It's about our country. And if I don't, if I raise my children properly and my neighbor doesn't, my kids are going to be a minority, a persecuted minority, at a great disadvantage. So I've got to reach out and try to save my neighbor's children. I was at a homeschool convention in Nashville, Tennessee, just recently, and uh, we do about six, uh, eight or ten of these a year. And we were happy to report that, you know, dozens of families came by my booth, and they had the movie already, had used it, or seen it, and they were using it with their fellow uh, Christians trying to get them out of the public school system. And one family re- reported to me from Dayton, Ohio. He's a sergeant in the Air Force there. 
homeschool dad and mom, and uh, they go to a little independent church in the Dayton area. I don't remember the name of it. It's a small congregation, you know, less than 150 people, but a real good uh, body of believers. And the pastor and his wife are homeschooling their kids, but they were struggling, you know, financially, as so many small churches do. And so I think the pastor and his wife had decided about middle school they were going to put them, you know, back in public school. And uh, this sergeant was close enough to the pastor that he showed him the movie. They looked at indoctrination as the two couples, and I guess the wife of the pastor broke down and cried. And, and they said, they came in, we can't do it. We cannot put them back in those schools. We're going to have to find a way to keep going with it. And I told the man, I said, that's wonderful. I said, you saved your pastor's children. And uh, he smiled real big. And so we're having a lot of those kinds of stories all over the nation where uh, we believe tens of thousands of people are leaving the public school now, public schools now. And uh, we're you know, trying to, as I say, it's better to drain the swamp than to fight the mosquitoes. And, You're right. Uh, yeah, so we're trying to drain the swamp. And um, the best way to fix public education is to abolish it <laughs> or replace it with uh, private Christian schools, private schools, and homeschooling. One of the problems that exists with the private schools is that they don't have to take children who have ADHD and other learning difficulties. What do you say in that scenario where you have a child who may have attention issues or uh, needs to learn in a different setting as kinesthetic or needs something beyond what the typical the my experience has been that some of the parochial schools and the private schools exercise their right to decline certain students and and then they wind up in the public schools what do you say to them well first of all um it is uh, i think some of the situations are uh, maybe Diet, uh, drugs that the children have taken, or just lack of discipline. Now, I'm not going to say that those uh, kinds of uh, conditions don't exist, but I think they're more they're more more data for them than the actual reality is. Another thing is that we can put these children in these schools. The way that public schools deal with them is they drug them, and uh, so they actually harm them. They don't uh, solve the problem; they just drug them. And so they, but you know, so we're seeing a whole culture of and, and I'm book and movies. Uh, brings that out. Um, we actually have a companion book that goes with the movie. It's called Indoctrination it's, uh, by uh, the editors of Colin Gunn and Joaquin Fernandez, who are also the directors of the movie. I'm the executive producer, so we put a substantial amount of money up and we guided the project. But we have a little bit of a secondary role. I'm in the movie in a cameo appearance, so I serve as a executive producer and sponsor. But in our in the book companion book, there's a chapter by Bruce Short uh, on page 41, and this is a very very insightful a chapter. And he's a, a board member with my ministry, Exodus Mandate, and he just talks about how the uh, the uh, public schools are drugging our children. So <laughs> it'd be better to keep your child home in that condition and to put him in a public school and be drugged and. It's just a, a, it's criminal what they're doing to the children with the, with drugs in the public school, and so almost of it's not necessary. So the answer, right. to, what the answer to your question is, it's a bad decision, especially if they have a ADHD or you know hi, you know hyperkinetic type 
situations and put them in the public schools because they're not going to solve the problem. They're just going to drug them. <laughs> so we well, have a whole we have a whole chapter on that in the in the companion book. the The name of the movie is Indoctrination, Public Schools, and the Decline of Christianity in America. And we've got endorsement from Cal Thomas. Uh, he said every Christian parent with a child in government school should see this. Uh, Dr. Ted Bayer, uh, real prominent Christian with Movie Guide, endorsed it and did a uh, analysis of the movie before we uh, we put it finally together to help us improve it. He's a very uh, strong person in Hollywood. Works with the you know, Christian underground in Hollywood. And then some of the people in the movie are, you know, uh, Samuel Blumenfeld, who's been around for years, John Taylor Gatto, Ken Ham, Erwin Luther, Doug Phillips, Howard, the late Howard Phillips was in there, Bruce Short, R.C. Sproul Jr., Kevin Swanson, uh, I'm in the movie. Uh, and we, we have a lot of different authorities speaking in, in, on the, uh, on the crisis in education. But our solution is not to fix public education. In fact, we really don't think it's broken. We think it's uh, succeeding according to design and the pattern of the founders. A lot of Americans don't know this, but it was started by uh, public state education, was started by Unitarians and Socialists in the 1830s and 1840s in New England. They were really our early Marxists. And this is, is brought out very ably in the movie. Uh, Samuel Blumenfeld, you know, showed the. Uh, Robert Dale Owen, you know, was an early Marxist, even before Marx. And uh, they set up the New Harmony uh, uh, Communist Experience in in Indiana. New Harmony, Indiana, was a socialistic or communistic commune where they took the children away and they all lived in one place and the parents in another. And it totally failed after a number of years. And they concluded the reason it failed was Christianity was too deeply embedded in the psyche of the American people. The only way they could overcome and achieve socialism and communism in America was to get rid of Christianity. So they began to plan and strategize about a state-run public education system. Now, prior to the 1830s, uh, there were some what they called public schools, but they were not state-run. They were like local community schools run by churches and open to the public. Anybody could go to them. And in most cases, uh, they went free if they if they couldn't afford it. Um, and then, but there would be a, a subsidy from the county or the local community to help fund the schools. But they were really Christian schools, and that was the system in the New England area prior to the Civil War. In the South, it was even less that way. It was more strictly academies, private academies, and homeschooling, and there was no government involvement. In these, in the, in the uh, private school system at hardly any level, but the Unitarians, which is an anti-Christian uh, sect, uh, came up with the idea of uh, let's pool all of our sources and use a tax subsidy. We'll coerce you and take your money to pay for my child's education, which is based on coveting. So the whole system from the very beginning was conceived in sin, based on coveting. And it was organized to undermine uh, Christianity and overthrow our Republican uh, constitutional form of government. That was the purpose of state-run public education. It's very, very clear if you read the writings of the early founders of public education. Uh, the great uh, late uh, theologian, Dr. R.J. Rushdoony, wrote a book on this in 1963 called The Messianic Character of American Education. 
and went and quoted the founders, Thorndike, uh, uh, Horace Mann, and, and all these early founders of state education. Mostly, uh, most of them were in Boston and the uh, you know, New England area, and uh, and showed conclusively that public education was the embodiment of Unitarianism, is again, which is a sort of a church. I don't know if we could dignify by calling it a church, but they claim to be. They deny the Trinity, deny the divinity of Jesus, they deny personal salvation, and and they have I don't know what they really do there, but it's really a kind of a, 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 a secular church of some kind. And so they, the name uh, of the name of the Rush Denny book was the, the messianic, messianic character of American education, meaning okay. messianic, meaning the the, the the Unitarians had a a messianic you know view of, of, of using state-run public education to convert America to their worldview. What was so amazing about this book was um, that it was not reviewed or studied by one, not even one evangelical or Christian magazine even bothered to review it. But all the secular liberal journals, or many of them, attacked it viciously. And so the enemy realized that this book was a, a dangerous uh, threat to their monopoly in education. But the poor, poor, blind evangelical Christians didn't have enough sense to read it to help. It would have given them a roadmap to, uh, to freedom and liberation in education. I've read it twice. It is a little bit of a hard read. I read it some years ago. And uh, it's just a, an amazing book. Um, to expose what they were doing and how the enemy <laughs> realized what they were doing and they better stop this guy, but our people weren't smart enough to uh, to even catch on. So we've been catching on lately. We were about 30 or 40 years late. Well, we're ha- behind. Yeah, and we're always not behind. Only, <laughs> not only are we behind, but we're still charmed by the yellow school bus that comes yeah. and magically takes the children away for a few hours. Yeah. And it, it never, I'll tell you a funny story because I had two kids who were riding the school bus every day. They've got six hours of education and an hour each way basically riding the bus. Mm-hmm. And when they come home from school, the most common question asked is, what happened in school today? And they would go on to provide me this horrific story of the uh, hair pulling, the name calling, the punching, and and I would get so tired of this every day. They're not talking about what they learned during the six hours of classroom. Well, they weren't learning anything. (laughs) (laughs) They're they're talking about (laughs) the shenanigans Uh that happened on the bus that, that disrupted their ability to think about anything else. So finally one day I got fed up with this, and I called the bus garage and asked to speak to the head honcho there, and I said to them, you know, we just I can't take this anymore. And the lady said back to me, but Mrs. Davis, you're the one who requested that your children sit together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, the point is they weren't le- learning any civility lessons, mm-hmm. and that's not helping them mature either. There's way more to a child than what's happening academically. Yeah. The emotional factors, the spiritual factors, all the physical factors, everything is coming together to make a complete package. Mm-hmm. So you were saying that 
Goals 2000, School to Work, No Child Left Behind, all these are part of the same package? Yeah, that was a, that was the agenda of the left in the 70s and 80s and maybe up through even the early 90s. And now, now, they've got, now they've got common core curriculum. But the same uh, conservatives are still fighting the same old fight. I mean, it's like we've been in a, a basketball game with the left, uh, you know, and they, they, the score is 100 to nothing, and we're running up and down the court, turning the ball over, losing the ball, not scoring any baskets, and we don't even know we're not in the ball game. I mean, it's really a, it's, it's kind of comical how how badly uh, the conservative right gets beat and uh, and how they're losing. I mean, you know, somebody ought to keep score on how well they're how well they're doing. You know, if we were you know, if if our leaders were a football team and were losing eighty percent of their games, or an army unit uh, losing eighty percent of their troops, uh, or a business losing eighty percent of their business, they'd be fired or relieved of duty. But our leaders just go on and on, and our people don't hold them accountable. And they say, "Oh, we got to fight this next fight." Well, somebody said, "Well, have you won a fight lately?" Even when they do win one, it's temporary. We we uh, we continue to lose. The reason is that. Uh, politics is downstream from culture, and uh, and culture is religion externalized. And so we want to see what kind of country we are. We can just look at what's happened. This Boy Scout incident, this same-sex marriage—that's the real America. We don't approve, we don't approve of those things, but that's what we really are right now at this particular time in our history. And most of that has been caused by the state-run public school system that has indoctrinated. Uh, tens of millions of, of children in in, uh, in godless pagan education, and, they, and many of them can't even read and write. So we're saying it's time to give up this foolish idea of trying to fix these schools, and let's start an alternative system. All okay. these all these churches out there are empty. You know, in many cases, five days a week, and the pastors could start schools. Uh, it used to be in the old days that the pastor would do the uh, Lord's of uh, the sacraments of the ordinances of the church on the weekend and preach and do uh, counseling, and then on the, during the week they ran the schools. The parsons ran the, the local schools for the families, and we could go back to that system. But uh, people, you know, they're still. I mean, our best leaders are still trying to fix public education. I just tell you, it makes me. It just amazes me. We don't have a shared agenda with the left on anything. We're not. We don't agree with them on abortion. We don't agree with them on Obamacare. We don't agree with them on uh, same-sex marriage. But for some reason, we share the agenda that state education is all right, and we're fighting over who will control it. Well, they've won that battle a long time ago, and it's not our model. It's their model. Uh, public education is socialism in education, and the Christian model would be private uh, uh, church schools and homeschooling. That's our model. That's the biblical pattern for education, not the, uh, the, the socialistic pattern. Okay, so we can so never said, win. We can never fix it. We cannot fix that system. That's really good. Uh, you said politics is downstream of culture. Yeah. And, yeah, and what was I, this, the And the other part one is it? that culture is religion externalized. That was from Van Til. When we look at the culture, which is what we see around us going on out there, you know, it's a politics and movies and all the things, that is nothing but religion externalized. So when we see, well, that's our religious uh, showing itself, and it shows itself through the culture. Well, then we must so we, be in big trouble. <laughs> we are in terrible trouble. I mean, we, we are, uh, we are, we've lost our way. And the only way for Christians to fix this is repent of the 
habit of public educating their children and putting and putting giving their children over to Molech and to pagans and godless people you know, for fourteen thousand seat hours and turning them over. I was out in Missouri really about ten or twelve years ago, and I'm not going to name this person, but it's a major leader in the St. Louis area fighting against school to work and goals two thousand at that particular time. And she was one of your main leaders in the state of Missouri. And she told me as in a side meeting that she had lost both of her children. Her two daughters had become Democrats and socialists. And she was so busy saving the other people's children in the schools, and she failed. She didn't, 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 didn't reverse the crisis that was there, but lost her own two daughters to the, uh, to the enemy. Well, let me give you a little insight into the way the legislators think, because I spent eight years in the Missouri State Legislature, and when I got there, the Republican caucus told me that that is the reason the state incorporated was so we could put education as our number one priority. And, in fact, they, it is in the state, in the Missouri State Constitution, it says it in those words that education right. is the number one priority. Now, the reason... That is, that is true, and, but it was not the original American model. Before we started settling in the West, in the, you know, the eastern states, up until 1830s, there was no state-sponsored public education. That model is, a, is an innovation. It's, it's all in our movie. I hope you're. We ought to say how to get the movie. Yes, uh, tell us how to get the people movie. Is it order, on you? If they order it from me, they go to my webpage. That's exodusmandate.org. Exodusmandate.org, and we do. They can get it for a, a donation there. But if they like it and want to order them in bulk, and we are having churches and people order a dozen, or you know, we've had some people order 30, 30 copies because they like it so well. I don't uh, move them in bulk. They have to contact Colin Gunn and uh, Joaquin Fernandez. They are the directors, and actually uh, Colin Gunn is the actor, and Joaquin is the man behind the camera, and they would go there to make a bulk order, uh, and that's indoctrinationmovie.com. So uh, I've given two web pages out. If, if your listeners want to get bulk copies, that would mean to give them out in their churches and try to use win them when they're friends. Uh, friends and family and extract them from the public school system using this move. We know it works. If you get people to look at it, they have a tendency to leave. Not always, but we, we see a lot of, uh, we've had a lot of cases where there's been some real repentance and people weeping after they look at the movie, realizing how they've lost their children and why they did because they put them in these public schools. Can people watch the trailer on YouTube? Yeah, they can watch the trailer on um, on my website or on, on indoctrinationmovie.com. And they can actually go on backstage in indoctrinationmovie.com and see a lot of the interviews. So actually that website is completely uh, devoted to the movie. Uh, it's indoctrinationmovie.com. And uh, they can see a lot more about the movies there. And my website, I have other things about the Exodus Mandate Project, but we do uh, market the movie for a donation. And we have other things that you know, people can order. Uh, so I'd urge, I'd like your listeners to go to both websites, but particularly if they just want one copy, they can come to my site. That um, sounds great. Yeah. I appreciate that. And I appreciate the trouble you went to to put it together. I, I'm just going to tell you how the legislators think, though. Well, I know how because... they think, actually. I don't mean <laughs> you telling me, but I, I work with them all the time, so I know exactly. Basically what's happening, most of our state constitutions do have a provision 
uh, in South Carolina, it says that the state will provide a system of free public schools. And it's unfortunate that that's in the constitutions of the state, but most of those have been added in the South and North since the Civil War. But a lot of the states that organized, you know, in the 18, you know, 40s and 50s on, they, they organize in a different model. Um, but we need to advocate uh, what we're advocating, and then we need to say that we won't need to work toward a referendum or a plan to remove that uh, plank out of the state constitutions. It's a violation of God's word that it's there, and we need to uh, state what we want, because if, if we stay in their model or their paradigm where we're always fighting over fixing it, then the left has trapped us in their web and we can never escape. So we've got to state what we want. And what we want is this a sinful, evil, wicked, socialist model, and it must be abolished or repealed. Now, I'm living in the moment right now where the state says that we have to do it, but I am not going to vote for any legislation that promotes this system, and we're going to try to get the children out. Now, we believe that if we could drive the numbers up, right now about 15 to 17% of all children are being educated either in Catholic parochial schools, private schools, Christian schools, or homeschooling. Not all of those are evangelical Christians, but they're outside the system. If we could drive it up to 25 to 35%, there's a little uncertainty in those numbers. We can't know for sure. We believe the public school system would implode and unravel and uh, would fall apart. And then the states would then be on a course to uh, eradicate it or give it up and, uh, and and change that model and hand it back off to uh, uh, families, churches, and private associations. You have to remember that uh, slavery was legal one time in this country, too. It's all part of our law. And so but there was a group that were fighting the abolition of slavery. They said, oh, well, it's legal. Well, we got we got to stick with it, man. We're, no, they said it was a moral evil. It had to be dealt with. And this is the great moral evil of slavery for our time. Um, our children are just as much slaves to this system as African Americans were, you know, in the you know prior to the 1860s. So uh, this is the great civil rights issue of our day, and we're never going to turn this country back to God and back to Christ and back to constitutionalism if we don't eradicate this system. So yeah, every Christian needs to get ready to get rid of it. That's good. That That is inspirational. And that actually is a message that we're not going to hear anywhere else. It takes you coming on our radio show. The whole premise behind Homefront is based on how can we fight for family values? How yeah. can we grow people bigger and shrink government smaller? Well, how this, is can a great, we... this is a great entitlement, mm-hmm. public education. You know, you inspired me by your story of how you were successful at stopping some school bond issues because the money flow is driving this. And I have never seen bond issues fail in my community because, again, the political correct nature is people are afraid to speak against it. And so in my town, they get carte blanche anything they want. Well, you want. haven't had the right consultant. I mean, I've got a friend who works very close with me, Paul Dore, and he's managed about 80 uh, school bond uh, referendum in the last 10 years and won 80% of the battle. I mean, he beats them all over the country. Now, he does lose. He lost one recently in Minnesota by 33 votes. And uh, But he uh, re- uh, two years ago, he ran one in Aiken, South Carolina, which is my hometown. And uh, nobody was against it. Uh, both Republican and Democratic Party were for it, the Chamber of Commerce, the local paper, the radio stations, the mayor, 
Uh, there was no opposition to this uh, bond referendum in Aiken County, but one little Christian woman had enough, and she put an ad in the paper and said, it was, uh, the title of the ad was, I am a Christian woman. And she said, anybody who wants to fight the school bond, <laughs> come to the county courthouse. I'll meet you at the front steps on 9 a.m. on Saturday morning. And, she, and uh, uh, dozens of people showed up just from an ad in the paper. So they organized, but there was no real strong opposition. And they brought Paul Dore in. And when the votes were counted, they had beaten them 69 to 31%, whipped them bad. And it shocked everybody, including those who were opposed to it, because they thought they were going to lose. So uh, the, if you can frame your message right, the, uh, the people turn against it. And uh, so the sentiment is against is growing against public education. Um, the Gallup poll in June of 2012, this is the worst it has ever been for them, showed that only 29% of Americans, all Americans, strongly supported public education, down five points from the preceding year. And in 1973, when they first began to poll the question of approval or disapproval of public education, it was at 58% approval, uh, strong approval. So it's dropped nearly 30 points in that 40-year period. Uh, 30% of all Americans, black and white, Christian, non-Christian, either opposed educa- public education or, or disapproved of it, 30%, with 40% either undecided or mild approval. Now, that, we don't have a majority, but we've got a strong, visible uh, opposition to the system. And we want our American independence with less than 25% of Americans want independence. So this is a no-brainer. I mean, we just need bold uh, legislators and people stand up and say, I'm against this system, and I'm going to work to abolish it in the legislature. And I believe is, some, of them will, some of them will get reelected when they do that. <laughs> well, the, their fear is that they'll never get reelected if they don't stand for education. But I think well, I'm, we're talking I'm for education. You've got to stand. You've got to stand for education and against this indoctrination that's going on in these public schools. This is not education. You people need to get our movie. This thing is having a tremendous effect across the land right now, and. Uh, I hope they'll order it and start using it in their churches. One thing, we've got to buck our pastors up. So many of them are weak. They're very feminine. Uh, they won't fight back. Uh, they're the really weak link because they've got so many public school people in their churches, they're afraid to speak out. Uh, but some are. We had a case in um, Sioux City, Iowa. I'm not going to name the church, but it's a very large church. They're one of the largest in the county. The pastor is very bold and brave. And he took the movie and showed it in the worship service. And I think they were, you know, the church has about 1,200 members. And quite a number of uh, public school teachers are members of the church. And uh, even a superintendent of education. So, you know, good evangelical church there. And he was prepared for a reaction. He said, this is the direction the Lord's leading this church, and this is the way we're going to go. And about half the members of the church were public schooling their kids, and the rest were either homeschoolers or uh, Christian schoolers. He didn't get a strong negative reaction. Uh, uh, about four or five of the public school teachers uh, said to him they were going to not go back in the fall. They were going to not renew their contract because, indeed, what the movie said was true. And, Amazing. Uh, so, do you, yeah, do so, you know but, of any churches in Missouri who are like that? Well, I, uh, you know, Jim Day with a. St. Louis Metro Voice could probably tell you better than I could. Um, okay, well, that's um, good But, enough. I mean, I, we've got a lot of support in Missouri. I just can't tell you churches. But the, generally the pastors are afraid, and so we have to kind of work around the church. The main way I've gotten my message out in the last 15 years is through radio interviews like this. 
we reach the people directly through the media and uh, and conferences and things. But there's a you know there are two and a half to three million homeschool children in America right now, and it's growing very fast. And uh, people are waking up, but I don't know if we're waking up fast enough. The country's going down the toilet pretty fast, but. Uh, <laughs> Um, this uh, this this is a, this is the solution. One of the solutions. This is one of the keys to revival and recovery. Because if we can recover our children today, then the next generation uh, they can they can you know go and take the land. You know the children of Israel failed in the you know, wilderness because they didn't have the heart and the courage to go in. You know, and the spies went in and and, uh, and uh, Mo, you know Moses and Joshua sent the the, the uh, twelve spies in and. They brought back a bad report and they said, "Oh, the giants are so great. We can't, we can't beat them. We're like grasshoppers." And God had already told them they could. They, the land was theirs. And uh, Caleb and Joshua tried to, tried to silence them. He said, "No, uh, you know, we are able to do it. Let's go in and take possession." And the people, their hearts were faint and they were fearful and they believed the lies of the ten spies. So God said, "Okay, you're not going in the land." And so they all dropped in the wilderness in the desert there for 40 years. They wandered when they could have gone in. Caleb and Joshua went in, though, but their children went in and took the land. And this generation that you and I are in, I'm an old guy right now, we have failed our children. We have failed our country because we've allowed our children to be educated by these pagans who have turned them away from Christ and away from the Word of God and away from our constitutional Republican form of government. But praise the Lord, there's a new generation raising up. I didn't, uh, my children are not like a lot of these children that are today. They're very successful, uh, professionals, and great families, and they never, they didn't go to public school. <laughs> and uh, so they're, they're, a new, they're a new breed out there, and they're coming well, I'm, strong. So I thank you. Just hope in the next generation. You've encouraged us tonight, Ray Moore. Thank you for being our guest, and thank you for telling us that there is hope and there is a better way, and we'll look forward to getting your movie, Indoctrination. Can you give out that website one more time? If they want a single copy, uh, they can call, go to my website, and I wish they would go and study our website anyway. It's exodusmandate.org. But if they believe in our message strongly enough and they want to order five or six or ten or a dozen copies, they get a bulk discount if they order, you know, several copies. Um, they can go to Colin Gunn and Joaquin Fernandez webpage. That's the movie directors, and uh, that's Indoctrination Movie. That's in one word, IndoctrinationMovie.com. Thank you. And there's a lot of information there. You've been great. Thank you for giving us some hope, and we'll talk to you next time. This has been another awesome episode. Thank you, Doctor. Bye-bye. This has been another edition of Homefront on Missouri Grassroots Radio. I'm Cynthia Davis and hope you enjoyed our program. Please join us next week when we offer another infusion of truth, honesty, and solutions that will grow people bigger and shrink government smaller. Thank you for joining us. See you next week. It's the home.